Welcome to the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast, a work of the Southwest Church of Christ in Austin, Texas. We invite you to open your Bibles and follow along with us as we study God's Word together. Hello, everyone. My name is Cody Westbrook, and you are listening to another episode of the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast, a work of the Southwest Church of Christ in Austin, Texas. I invite you this morning to open your Bibles with me to the book of Nehemiah, and today we're going to be studying Nehemiah chapter 3. We've been working our way through the book of Nehemiah under the heading of Rebuilding the Walls. And the goal of this study is to help us think about how we can help the church to continue moving forward. The purpose of this study is to help us think about how we can go on into the future doing the work of the kingdom, building up the church, and helping the church to be stronger and stronger as each day goes by. What we've seen in the first two chapters of Nehemiah is a great example of preparation. You may remember that Nehemiah found out about the problem in Jerusalem in the first few verses of chapter 1, Namely, that the walls were broken down and that the people were in disarray. And this problem bothered Nehemiah so much that he determined with the help of God that he was going to fix the problem. He was going to work on solving the problem. And so as we think about rebuilding the walls, as we think about helping the church to become stronger and to grow, certainly there is a need to identify the weaknesses and to identify the challenges and the problems that need to be addressed. And then when we identify those challenges, we make a plan. We prepare to be able to meet those challenges. And we see that in Nehemiah as well. As he surveyed the city and as he prepared a plan to rebuild the walls and as he educated and as he motivated those who were going to be working on it, we see the characteristics of a great leader in Nehemiah. Now, we get to Nehemiah chapter 3, and this chapter is about execution. It's about taking the plan that Nehemiah had prepared and putting that plan into action. Do you know, if you were to go all the way back to the beginning, the founding of whatever congregation of the Lord's people you uh, worship with, if you were to go back all the way to the beginning and find a list of names of all of the people who were there when the congregation began, all the way up to the present day, chances are a number of those names would not be familiar to you at all. You wouldn't know who they were. But although you wouldn't know who they were, one thing you would know is that each member, each name on that list, represents a soul, a worker in the kingdom of God, who played some role in helping the congregation become what it is today. Well, in Nehemiah chapter 3, we have a chapter that is very much like some of the genealogy chapters throughout the Bible. It's just a list of names, and sometimes we're tempted to just read through these chapters very quickly, if not skip over them altogether, because after all, what value can be found from a list of names? But I would encourage us not to ever do that because there are a number of lessons that can be learned even from reading a genealogy or just a list of names if we look close enough. In Nehemiah chapter 3, we have 38 individuals and 42 different groups of people named. There are rulers and priests, there are men and women, there are professionals, there are amateurs, 
There are people of all kinds that are all represented in this chapter, and the key is that every one of them came together to work on executing the plan that Nehemiah had created to rebuild the walls in Jerusalem. So when we look at this chapter and we see this list of names and groups, what is it that we see? Well, first of all, we see the name or we see the need rather for teamwork the need for cooperation, the need for everyone working together. Chris Bradford said, Only by binding together as a single force will we remain strong and unconquerable. Vince Lombardi said, Individual commitment to a group effort. That's what makes a team work, a company work, a society work, a civilization work. And Andrew Carnegie said, Teamwork is the ability to work together toward a common vision the ability to direct individual accomplishments toward organizational objectives. It is the fuel that allows common people to attain uncommon results. These three quotations from famous leaders and motivators of our time illustrate for us the truth that God's Word brings out about the power of God's people all coming together and working as a unified whole. Nehemiah chapter 3 is a chapter of unity and cooperation. This great work could not have happened without everyone being on the same page. I want you to notice something about this chapter. You will find the word they six times. You will find the phrase next to him seven times. You will find the phrase next to them eight times. And you will find the phrase after him or after them 16 times in the 32 verses of Nehemiah chapter 3. What's the significance of this? The significance is that there were people with all different skill sets who came together to unite and work cooperatively for the common cause. Even Jews from outside the city came together to work with those who were going to live inside the city so that they might work together in unison. And the New Testament teaches us that the church of Christ functions in the same way. Consider 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 11 and following, where the Apostle Paul describes the church as a body. And he talks about the fact that just as a body has many different members or many different parts, so the church has many different members or many different parts. And every member works together for the functioning of the whole. Our ears, our eyes, our mouth, our hands, our feet, our toes, our fingers, everything works together to perform some function so that our body works at optimal capacity. Well, every member of the Church of Christ has an important role to play, and every member of the Church of Christ must cooperate with each other so that that, the the role and the work of the Church can be carried out to the greatest degree possible. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27, the Apostle Paul said that he desired that the church at Philippi stand together with one mind and one spirit, striving together for the faith of the gospel. He wanted them to fight shoulder to shoulder alongside one another for the same cause, and that is the gospel. So what do we learn, first of all, from Nehemiah chapter 3? When we look at all of these individuals and all of these groups and everything that's going on here, we learn the importance of teamwork, the importance of unity, the importance of every member of the body of Christ uniting together under the banner of truth in order to see that the work of God goes forward. 
You see, if we have a situation in which 90% of the, uh, excuse me, 10% of the people are doing 90% of the work, that's not going to be very successful. What we need, what the Bible teaches, what God wants is for 100% of the congregation to be able to unite together and to work together in order to accomplish His will. What else do we see in Nehemiah chapter 3? Well, we also see leaders setting the proper example. If you look to the first group that's mentioned in Nehemiah chapter 3, read with me, if you will, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, Then Eliashib the high priest rose up with his brethren the priests and built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and hung its doors. They built as far as the tower of the hundred and consecrated it, then as far as the tower of Hananel. Now the significance of this first group is that these are the leaders. Eliashib, the high priest, and the priests along with him, these are the ones who built the Sheep Gate, which was located in the northeast corner of Jerusalem and likely got its name from the animals that were uh, brought through that gate into the city to be sacrificed into the temple. Now here's the point. Good leaders do not say, you do it. They say, we will do it, or follow me as I do it. Good leaders, as we saw from Nehemiah chapter 2, they mobilize and they motivate people to work and to follow their lead. That's exactly what Nehemiah does in the book of Nehemiah. That's what Eliashib is doing in Nehemiah chapter 3. And listen to what the Bible says to elders in Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 7 This passage says, Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, listen to this, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Notice that God's people have the responsibility to follow the faith of their leaders. But that implies that the leaders have to have faith. That implies that the leaders have to have faith that is worthy of being followed, and that implies that the leader's faith has to be evident for the followers to see it. Because we can't follow something that we can't find, or we can't follow something that we can't identify. In 1 Peter chapter 5, and verse number 3, the Apostle Peter said, again, instructing elders, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock examples, being exemplary. The idea is that you are leading the way, that the flock can see their shepherd. They can see how they act and how they carry themselves. They see their faith in action, and so they can follow the example that they see. Here's a third point that we learn from Nehemiah chapter 3. We also see in Nehemiah chapter 3 the importance of eagerness. You see, there are some names in this chapter that are specifically pointed out because of their eagerness, meaning they weren't satisfied with building just one section or doing just one job. They kept on going. They had a strong work ethic, and they were eager to do more and more. For example, in verse number 4, we read about one named Merimoth, the son of Urijah. And then we read about him again in verse number 21. And also in verse 4, we read about uh, Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, and we read about him again in verse 30. In verse 5, we read about the Tekoaites, and we read about them again in verse 27. We read about Baruch in verse number 20, and 
Baruch is one who is described as, as someone who is burning hot with zeal, if you will. So all of these are very important to note because, because these are those who showed eagerness, who showed a strong work ethic. They weren't satisfied with just doing a little and getting by, getting by but rather they wanted to do more and more to the best of their ability. We see examples like this in the New Testament as well. Like Epaphroditus, for example, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 24 through 30. The Apostle Paul wrote back to the church at Philippi, and he told them about Epaphroditus and how he had worked himself almost to death in the service of God, and he used him as an example for which they were to follow. Paul himself, in Colossians 1, verses 28 and 29, talks about wearing, him out in the ser- wearing himself out in the service and in the ministry of God. And brethren, our prayer should be, wear us out in your service. Our mindset should be to seek out whatever work can be done, to do it to the best of our ability, and to do as much as we possibly can with joy and with eagerness for the cause and for the service of God. So we see eagerness in Nehemiah 3. Here's another. We also find in Nehemiah chapter 3 that this work became a family matter. For example, look at verse 12. In verse 12, we read of Shalom, the son of Halohesh, leader of half the district of Jerusalem. And listen to this. He and his daughters made repairs. Now, the interesting thing about that is that it indicates to us that Shalom made this a true family effort. He didn't do it by himself. He did it with his daughters. What does this tell me? Well, it reminds me of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7 and following in the Old Testament and Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 in the New Testament. Both of these passages emphasize to us the need for fathers, for parents, to teach their children, to train their children in the ways of the Lord. Let me ask you a question. What better way to teach our children than to show them? You see, that's what Shalom did. He didn't just tell his children about the work on the walls. He showed them. He involved them in this work. And as we think about working in the kingdom of God, as we think about building up the church, we really should, parents and grandparents, seek to make this a family matter. We ought to involve our children in the work that we do as much as we can, not just teaching them verbally, but teaching them by action, showing them what it means to serve God, showing them what it means to help serve the church. We ought to look for opportunities in which we can involve our children. Next. In Nehemiah chapter 3, we see the principle of unselfishness. Someone once said, I like work. It fascinates me. I could sit and look at it for hours. Unfortunately, that is the kind of attitude that describes far, far too many people in this world. But that's not what we see in Nehemiah chapter 3. One of the interesting things about this chapter is that it describes for us a number of people who came even from outside the city. We have those from Jericho, mentioned in verse 2, those from Tekoa in verse 5, Gibeon in verse 7, Mizpah in verse 7 and verse 15 and verse 19. We have Zanoah in verse 13, Beit HaKarim in verse 14, Beit Zur in verse 16, and Kela in verse 17 and verse 18. Now, what's the significance of that? Well, the significance is that these are people who came from different cities. These are people who had their own business to attend to, but they dropped what they were doing so that they could come and help the people of God in rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem, the city of God. 
That shows true unselflessness. That shows true sacrifice. But that's not the only example of that we see in this chapter. Look at verse 1. In verse 1, we have priests, and then also in verse number 28, we have the priests as well. Now, what's the significance of this? Well, the priests are doing something that's not really their profession. You see, we have goldsmiths in verse 8 and in verse 31 and 32. We have perfume makers also in verse 8, merchants in verse 32. We have district rulers, governors, if you will, in verse 9 and verse 12, verse 14 to 19. What does that tell me? That tells me that these were all professional craftsmen doing things other than what their craft actually was. Again, another wonderful example of sacrifice and selflessness. You see, what we find here are people who were willing to wash feet. You remember in John chapter 13, verses 13 to 16, where Jesus washed the disciples' feet, and he did that because he wanted to teach them that a servant is not greater than his master. And so, as I have done to you, you do unto one another. He was teaching the importance of being selfless and being sacrificial in their service to one another and to God. These are people in Nehemiah chapter 3 who were willing to step out of their comfort zone. These are people who were willing to go a little farther. They were willing to go the extra mile, Matthew 5 and verse 47, to go above and beyond the call of duty. And they didn't complain about it. They were selfless and sacrificial in their attitude. And that attitude needs to be found in us as well. We ought to be selfless and sacrificial in our service to God. Finally, in Nehemiah chapter 3, we see that they were interested in results that would last. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 says, Next to them, Jediah, the son of Haramuth, made repairs in front of his house. Then look at verse number 23. Verse 23 says, After him, Benjamin and Hashab made repairs opposite of their house. Look at verse 28. Beyond the horse gate, the priest made repairs each in front of his own house. Look at verse 30. After him, Haniah, the son of Shelemiah, and Hanun, the sixth son of Zalaph, required another section. After him, Meshulah, the son of Berechiah, made repairs in front of his dwelling. Do you notice something interesting about those four verses? In each one of those four verses, we read about individuals doing work on portions of the wall that were in front of their homes. That tells me that Every morning when they woke up and walked out their door, they were going to see that portion of wall. Every night before they went, to, went in their house for the night, they were going to look at that portion of the wall. Do you think that they wanted to spend years looking at bad work? Well, of course not. They're working by their house. They want to be able to see some good. They don't want to see anything ugly for however many years they were going to live and have to stare at it. Now, when we think about the work of the church, what we have to recognize is that the fruit of the work that we do today will be evident for years to come. Our children and our grandchildren, they're going to reap the fruit of our labors after we're dead and after we're gone. So don't we want to do good work for our children and for our grandchildren? Don't we want to be proactive instead of reactive? Don't we want to think and anticipate the problems and the challenges and try to plan for the future in an appropriate way so that we leave a good, fruitful work for the generations that are going to follow after us. Here's another point to contemplate. We're going to spend an eternity thinking about the work that we did here on earth. 
And in eternity, are we going to look back at our service with regret? Or are we going to look back at our service and our work and say, I did everything that I possibly could? There are so many lessons that we can learn from the third chapter of Nehemiah. We're just brushing the hem of the garment here in this study. But hopefully, these points have been helpful to you, and I would encourage you to take some time to read closely Nehemiah chapter 3 and see how many more lessons you can find from its contents. Every good work involves preparation and planning, but ultimately, there has to be execution of that plan. And God help us as we strive to execute our plans in His service and to His glory. That's the end of our study today. We thank you so much for taking the time to to listen to us, and we encourage you to subscribe to our podcast channel. We encourage you to visit our website, www.swcfc.org, and of course we encourage you to come and visit with us whenever you're in the Austin area. Again, thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us again on the next episode of the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast. Please visit our website at swcofc.org for more information about the Southwest Church of Christ. And if you're in the Austin area, please come and visit with us. Thank you for listening, and please join us again as we open up our Bibles and study more of the wonderful Word of Life.